Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, featuring Mildred Tassoni as your host and today's guest. Introducing Andy Levine, owner-broker Keller Williams Gold Coast, where her motto is, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait until you hire an amateur. Here now, Andy Levine. Hi, this is Mildred Tassoni, and we have Andy Levine from Keller Williams Gold Coast. Hi, Andy. Hi, Mildred. How are you? Good, good. First of all, do you do you want to talk about buyers or sellers? I think uh, probably a good topic would be the value of hiring a real estate agent mm-hmm. as opposed to doing this all on your own. Mm-hmm. So I would start by saying that uh, pricing a property competitively will generate the most activity from agents and buyers. If your property is priced too high, that will make it necessary to drop the price below market value to compete with new well-priced listings sooner or later. The idea is really to generate offers before the market moves on to the newer listings. So a professional real estate agent will have a keen understanding of both the picture and the very latest local and neighborhood listing and sales data to share with you. That information should be at their fingertips. Homeowners typically hear about other houses in the neighborhood that have sold and they want to find out why is that getting so much more than their house or that their house is better. And a professional real estate agent who has seen the other properties can give them some tips on why their property won't get the same amount of money as the others. We actually have a system in our office used by appraisers to determine the price of a property. And in this system, things that are compared are property size, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, and something called the GLA, which is the gross living area, which most people could relate to as the price per square foot. And this GLA is a key factor when purchasing a co-op or a condominium. Bottom line is the right price is important. And a property will generate the most interest when it first hits the market. These are some facts. The number of showings is greater during this time if it is priced at a realistic market value. Starting too high and dropping the price later misses the excitement and fails to generate strong activity. And basically, many homes that start high end up selling below market value, especially if you get away from the summer months and you're into the winter months. So that's the first thing I would talk about when using a real estate agent is having them help you to price your home strategically in the market. Like you say, it's not just what somebody sold down the block. You have no idea about what they've done inside, really, or the updates, anything else that they might have done. I just think, again, pricing it right, and they see it, and you get the buyers who are ready to buy then. They've they've researched, they see a good deal, and that's where you do get the excitement and, and the offers. You know, it's complex. You have to do research and look, and there's a lot of things to price it right. So I, I think that's one thing for an agent I also think doing the open houses, that's another reason to use an agent. In this stage of internet search, at some point, you are going to have to walk into a house you were thinking of buying. Making the home available at open houses and to show to other agents is is more meaningful than it was. I think open houses for a while were just people kind of looking at the decor or seeing what their neighbor's houses look like. I personally have sold in the past year 
over half a dozen houses directly from somebody attending an open house. In the old days where it used to be the nosy neighbors coming by, Mm -hmm. my philosophy at this time is I send out postcards to anywhere from 500 neighbors to uh, 2,500 in the area. And what I will do is I will have a neighborhood preview for the neighbors to come and preview the property because typically the people that are going to spend the most money on this property is somebody that has a friend in the neighborhood who's telling them that the neighborhood is worth more than they normally would think or a neighbor. Mm -hmm. I've sold in these open houses properties to relatives of a sister who lived around the corner whose brother wasn't even looking to purchase a house and said, you know, there's a house right around the corner for me for sale. So, yes, these open houses certainly stimulate activity and interest in properties. I agree with that. And I also, another thing from an agent running an open house, you're getting the correct contact information. Um, You're following up. You're giving them a point of contact to find out if they are interested and give them the information. So you've got all the information ready to just, you know, if they say, what are the taxes over the last three years or something, you know, where an individual homeowner uh, who's trying to sell on their own, they're not going to know that or they're not going to necessarily be set up to follow up with all the interested buyers and their different questions. If you have 10 different buyers at an open house that might be interested, they could be 10 questions or 12 questions. And, you're, you know, the agent is ready to just look it up, send them the right information, where a homeowner on their own might not necessarily be able to do that and lose a potential buyer. In particular, um when a buyer comes to the property and you can say what other properties have you seen, you're totally aware of what your competition is as opposed to a homeowner who hasn't previewed all the houses in the area. Personally, I've had a buyer who said, oh, well, you know, your price is too high. I just went to see this house and they're asking uh, $30,000 less where an agent who knows their inventory can say, well, you know, it's $30,000 less because you're backing to a railroad or mm-hmm. you don't have a second bathroom upstairs, the master doesn't have its own bathroom, or this has central air and that doesn't. You know, they can handle objections that a homeowner is incapable of handling. Plus, when a homeowner is at their own, doing their own open house, if they were so foolish to do that, they are extremely emotional. You know, they're not going to be objective in, in working with one of these purchases. And they could have personality conflicts. They can have any kind of emotional conflicts that, you know, it's just not a good way to market your property. And then ultimately, that's they tend to, people who sell on their own, get a lower price because somebody could come in using that $30,000 example, oh, well, this other house is 30000 less, so I'm only going to offer you this. Well, you don't know why. So you might be more likely to accept the lower offer. Uh, Most people coming to a private listing or sometimes called a FISBO for sale by owner, those people come knowing that there's no broker involved. So they 
automatically reduced their offer by the broker's commission and started a lower number when mm-hmm. a broker can usually get their commission and a higher number for that seller. One thing we, we were thinking of discussing was how a deal can go south, if you will. And again, when you're selling on your own, it's not just getting the person in. They say, oh, we want to buy your house. Here's the number. Okay, great. And then they write you a check. You know, there's so many points. Maybe you could discuss some of the points where you feel, again, why a real estate agent can help guide you through that. All right. Well, typically, I would say that that a real estate agent has much more experience selling homes on a daily basis. The complexities of your transaction will be in the hands of somebody that's been doing this over and over again, the same way as when you go to a certain surgeon You're going to ask how many of these surgeries have you performed and what's your track record. So smoothing the way for your listing and a sale using a professional real estate agent will remove many of the potential challenges before they have the opportunity to appear. Just as an example, in order to get a mortgage, sellers are facing much more scrutiny from lenders who are looking to make sure the property that secures their loan is free and clear of encumbrances, and that includes having all the municipal approvals. A seasoned agent um, will know how to navigate through these complexities and bureaucracy of local municipalities. For example, you, you could be asked if an updated survey to show a fence that you installed in your back road is really on your property. A homeowner won't know about that. When you finish your basement, did you put in an egress window and get a permit? Do you have the minimum floor-to-ceiling height of 6 foot 8 inches? I mean, I've come across this numerous times that we've handled and addressed prior to any deal so that when we got to a deal, we didn't have problems. Did somebody add a deck without a permit? You have to know all these things. You have to prepare your buyer and your seller for all these questions. Some people widen driveways violating ordinances, not even knowing that. When you purchased your home, was there a full bathroom in the basement? That's a question that a lot of people have. The bathroom could have been there, but at that time you bought it 10 years ago. Was there a certificate of occupancy for that bathroom? Because a new mortgage lender will say, hey, you know, I don't see a CO on this, and you have to call in the building inspector. He won't give you a CO for the bathroom until you have an egress window. So now you're holding up your whole transaction by maybe another 60 days. You can lose your seller. You need electrical underwriter certificates when you do renovations on kitchens and bathrooms. If you move a central air conditioning unit, you have to get a permit. You know, speaking of permits, if you had the work inspected, you have to make sure that your permit was formally closed out because otherwise it's considered an open permit, and that's a violation. And this could include any permits that could have been taken 10, 20, even 30 years ago. That's how long these permits remain open, and people don't even know that. So before listing a property, a professional real estate agent is going to do a preliminary investigation of any of these issues. Otherwise, all you end up doing is signing a contract that may turn out to be full of bad news. Mm-hmm. And then you're starting all over again. You know, exactly. you then have to go. And by that uh, time, who knows where interest rates could be higher. It could be a spring market. You have more mm-hmm. competition, more inventory. So if you're at the end of the season, then prices drop. So it's it's important to have somebody that's watching out for you. Mm-hmm. For buyers now, it, we're going into the warmer weather 
what do you recommend? I, I see it as with a buyer, yes, you should look around at the neighborhood you want. You know, you do your um, search on school district you might want to be in. Um, have a general idea. Maybe go to a few open houses so you get a sense of what kind of house you like. But don't do you recommend having your mortgage mortgage in place pretty much as you're ready to really go start looking? Oh, absolutely. You should be meeting with a mortgage broker prior to even looking for a property, get yourself pre-approved because you will have much more power presenting an offer with a pre-approval. You're up against a lot of international buyers who come in with all cash, and knowing that you have a a commitment, a pre-commitment, is paramount in making sure that when you're up against several buyers bidding on a property that it comes to you. Um, Yeah, because I I think it used to be maybe you did more uh, open houses. A lot of people would go around weekend after weekend, Um, but I think uh, now people can do so much research. So they really looked at, say, two school districts and and decided on one, or they've they've researched the Long Island Railroad. What's the best train station to get them someplace or the best parkway? I think if you do your research right and you've got an agent working with you, I think you should be prepared because you, you're, you're going to walk into that right property much sooner. And you, if you're ready, you can make an offer. I mean, I, I think also talk about the offering process. So you've got your mortgage. You go in. It's the third house you see, but you love it. It meets all your criteria. Now what? How how do you make the, you know, what's the strategy there? Um, most people don't start with their final offer. Their first offer is usually a best price for the buyer scenario. And mm-hmm. depending on your interest in the property will depend on how you decide to make your offer. Using a, a good negotiator who's your real estate broker will definitely turn things into your favor or against your favor, because if you're using somebody that is not a good negotiator, that could be a very big problem. When you make your first offer, you should have your mortgage approval ready. You should have done your due diligence. Make sure that your money is seasoned. And what that means is it has to be in the bank a certain amount of time in order to get your mortgage commitment. You have to sit with a, as we discussed a couple of minutes ago, you have to sit with a uh, a mortgage banker or a mortgage broker and go over all the criteria necessary for you to be approved for a mortgage. In that, you're going to give them the money that you have in the bank, your tax returns, give everything that you've got and not deal with somebody that just asks for a couple of questions on the phone because it's very, very important to make sure you have your mortgage commitment in place. So once you make your your offer and they give a counteroffer, then you come up, et cetera, it goes back and forth until you both agree to an offer. Uh, and so it's acceptable to the seller. Everybody wants to be happy on this. Um, after that, you should have an attorney ready to to look at a contract, and you should move as quickly as possible because until you have a signed contract, that house is still being shown, and there's a possibility that somebody can outbid you. 
Um, your next step is um, having an engineer come and inspect it. So you'll hire somebody that's either recommended. You'll get a couple of names from your attorney, maybe a couple of names from your real estate agent, some from friends, and choose the um, inspector that you feel the most comfortable with. This is probably going to include a termite inspection. They're going to be looking for asbestos. Um, they're going to be uh, looking for any mold. Um, you know, they're going to be really going through the house with a fine-tooth uh, comb. And then after that, um, and this isn't really um, a platform for reducing the price. This is really a place that will tell you what has to be done in the future. So at that point, if there's no structural issues, if you find that everything is okay, there's a few things here and there that you're going to take care of to make it yours, um, you move forward, you give the um, attorney information to your agent, they put everybody in touch, and then they start working on drawing up a contract. But the sooner you sign that contract and keep in communication with everybody, the less likely you will lose that property to somebody who possibly bids higher. Um, so, but, uh, you know, having a strong negotiator as your um, agent um, is very, very important. And keeping in constant communication with your agent and your attorney and being available to respond quickly um, is also something very important. What, okay, let's kind of switch uh, gears a little bit from the buyers and sellers. What In a real estate climate today and how things are moving so quickly, what are some of the best like technology tools that you might have found to help you? I know myself, here an example for me. I think uh, scheduling, there's certain parts of the real estate buying and selling process that can be very time-consuming, mm-hmm. and that's why I love open houses. And when I do an open house, I- I'm there. I just as soon do it from 1 to 4 or 1 to 4.30, get the before and after people, make it as easy for pop people to come in and see because it takes a lot of time to coordinate setting up, calling one agent, oh, can we show Tuesday at 2.30? Oh, no, you got to call the homeowner, a lot of that. And I think texting has really uh, cut down on some of that where you're not, you know, tied so much to a phone. You can text an agent, can we show your property uh, 2.30, no, make it 4, and we're fine, you know what I mean? So it cuts some of that out, so. That's one thing that I think. What um, What is something, a tool that you might have found is really helping you um, manage your listings and, and showings? Okay. Well, first I'd like to say that I agree 100% because constant communication with both your buyers, your sellers, your cooperating agents, and your customers are crucial and time and very time-sensitive. So you have to understand who you're dealing with. Um, If you're dealing with an agent um, from a different generation possibly, um, I would say um, you might not want to do texting. I just work with an agent who doesn't even know how to get an email on her phone. So you have to know and you have to speak to 
your clients and say, what is the best form of communication? Would you rather right. me text you? Would you, would, you per, would you prefer that I call you? Would you prefer an email? What's the best time to contact you? Because you want your um, your your buyers and your sellers to be available whenever you need to speak with them. So um, texting is a great way to set up appointments. However, it shouldn't replace the traditional forms of communication. You should always have be able to make a phone call. And typically, if you send somebody a text, don't assume they read it because very often you're not getting somebody reading it and you're sitting at an appointment waiting for them to show up and they are not didn't even get your message. So I would I typically whenever I text, whenever I email, even when I leave a phone message like this is to confirm our appointment, I always go that extra yard and say, "Please confirm." Um, right. Please mm-hmm. respond. Um, you know, please call me back because yep. You know, it cannot replace uh, traditional communication at the end of the day. But it does make things faster and easier if you can text somebody and they get back, yes, I'll see you at 7 or whatever, Mm -hmm. rather than making phone calls. The same way, I mean, years ago, over 40 years ago when I started real estate, um, the attorneys were charging uh, a percentage of the cost of the sale to draw up a contract. And everybody would have to go to, they didn't have internet, they didn't have fax machines, they didn't have, you know, any of the ways to communicate today, and you'd have to go to the attorney's office and have a sit-down contract. Um, Now attorneys charge much smaller fees because they can do, you know, 10 contracts in the same time that they were able to do one years ago. So, you know, all those forms of communicating also have changed. You can contact attorneys on cell phones on the weekends. You can text them. So, you know, you have all all of that, those communications. I mean, we have, um, for example, we have this thing called Dot Loop, which instead of – sending a whole listing agreement through the email and faxes, and it just goes right through the Internet to them. They just sign the listing agreement. We take an electronic signature. Nobody has to meet in person. We don't have to go over there. (laughs) It saves hours and hours of of traveling and hours and hours. You can do four transactions on your computer in the time that it would take you to get there, wait for them to sign, come back, you know, all of that. It really makes it so you can do transactions where you you know people don't have to be there. So which you know in this day and age everything's spread out or relocation or we've even done rentals with a roofing company that after Sandy they brought people in. So we were able to and they were renting the places for the people. You know it was pretty. You know, each mm-hmm. thing was different, but it really made it so they looked at it, everything was signed, everything was done. We really made it move quickly, um, and which and it was pretty chaotic around for a while. So that, that was a good thing. Um, if somebody, what would you recommend if uh, an agent's just starting out? Uh, it's almost, you know, uh, what would be the first thing you would recommend to an, a new agent? Okay. Um, today, real estate, anybody that's going to be successful in real estate um, has to be very learning-based and know um, 
have a lot of information under their belt. So the first thing I would have them read is The Million Dollar Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. And that is the basis for growing a career today. And I wouldn't read it once. I would have them read it many times. Um, so, yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, that would be mm-hmm. the first thing. Um, then they'd have to join an, an organization where they have great technology, cutting-edge technology, um, where they have um, cl- classes on a daily basis, um, teaching them all the different aspects of real estate. And then they need some kind of a mentor or to join a team so that they can actually learn the business. Um, this is too competitive um, an industry and too much is at stake to jump in as a newbie and have somebody's most expensive asset um, be um, relying on somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. So, you know, there is a lot of training and learning involved, and I think new agents can be fantastic, um, but they need to be... um, understanding the needs of both the buyers and the sellers, the prices, um, and how to get the job done. So I think with the training that they can get at some of the companies out there, um, the online training, YouTube training, um, scripts, I mean, they have to know how to, most important thing is knowing how to handle objections when you're representing a seller and knowing how to handle objections on behalf of the buyer as well. So you need to know um, a little about actual technology. You need to know um, how to how what the desires are of the buyers and the sellers. Um, and you have to have common sense and communicate with everybody. At the very beginning, most likely you're not going to be the negotiator on this because that takes a lot of experience to get the best deal for the sellers and a comfortable deal for the buyers. Um, so, you know, that probably you would be relying on somebody that's been doing this for a long time to help you out. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I think it's, uh, especially for someone who might not have, uh, an extensive business background in an, in another field. So they mm-hmm. kind of have a sense of system, um, might, you know, needs cuz sales training is invaluable and it's to me you have yes there are some people that are born sales people um but there's a skill set that you have to learn if that's not your necessarily strongest point or have no experience in it um right. uh, uh i think rentals uh, give you a good sense of uh, it's a shorter time period you can do more of them and get get your personal systems, your personal workflow set up. Um so I, I like rentals. I, I think that because of that they're especially a relocation, um mm-hmm. because people need to move into an area usually for a job or a family situation. Um and they're very focused, so it makes the whole process very focused. 
usually on a rent yeah and, and usually on a rental I would say that people know the school, the area that they want to be. So it's mm-hmm. just and it's not a marriage, it's usually for a year. So mm-hmm. if it's the wrong if it's the wrong match, um then the people can move out in a year, but they yeah. didn't have a, a huge investment that they could lose because mm-hmm. they're not investing in anything. It's just mm-hmm. a place where they're going to be living for that year. Um, and then they can get to know the neighborhood and see if that's where they want to eventually settle and possibly then move on to purchase a home. I mean, I always tell people if they're not familiar with the neighborhood and they're moving from out of state or a different area, they should rent first and see if that's what they like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's fast. In that short period of time, there will only be so many options. You know, one or two things might come up. That's what's there, so they have to decide. One thing that I thought is pretty interesting, because I recently opened up a new company, and we have every single person do what they call a DISC profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think that's kind of an important thing um, because it basically gives you the personality profile of who you're dealing with. It kind of comes from the thing if you're talking to somebody if you're speaking with somebody, um, if you're talking to somebody in German that only understands Chinese, you're not going to be able to communicate and get your message through. And this, mm-hmm. this profile is really good for everybody to take in every aspect of their life because it um, goes over what your personality, what your behavior is. And um, if you're dealing with somebody that's, you know, the four, the four, um, Profiles are D for dominance, I for an influencer, uh, C for somebody that's very compliant, um, and S for steadiness. So um, I think I might have done that backwards. But anyway, um, you know, that will, if you're dealing with somebody that's a very compliant person, that's somebody that analyzes something. So if you can figure out what their personality trait is, if they're asking you for what are the taxes, you have to know what those taxes are. You can't say they're about this and be off by 10%. They want to know exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're dealing with somebody that's a high D, um, that's somebody that really um, is demanding and is results-oriented. So you, they want to go someplace. They're not a schmoozer. They just want the answers. So you have to deal with people on the same level that they want to. You can't deal with everybody on the same level. Each person has their own personality, and it's important to be able to spot that personality through learning all about this this profile before you're dealing with sellers and buyers. That's huge. And, and you know, it's interesting because uh, at the Floral Park Chamber of Commerce, uh, mm-hmm. Two meetings ago, we had uh, a lady that works with Mary Kay and um, Eileen Dolan, and she gave a presentation on that. And um, our office does those as well, and I'm familiar about it uh, with it. And she gave an excellent example of just that very thing and how you are. I will post. Um, in the notes for this and on our uh, Facebook and um, blog for this, Tony Robbins has a new free uh, profile, disc profile that you can take and a great explanation. And it's 
I say I love 3D charts and graphs, and he's got a lot of that. It's an excellent one, and it's free. So um, I'll post that link because I think you're right. Even how you write your email, and um, you know, some people like it just more, you know, flowing. Other people want bullet, 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 and I tend to write bullet, 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 and I've had to start kind of thinking about how to change my writing style um, for different people, you know. So, um, yeah, I think, again, you know, training for any kind of sales, but especially in real estate, because you're thrown into, you know, the seller is one kind of person, the buyer and the buyer's agent could be two different kind of people, and you're really, you know, trying to handle and keep it integrated with all the different types. Yeah, it's very um, important to understand those human behavior patterns um, mm-hmm. because you have to very often mediate deals. So, you know, it becomes really crucial to know who you're dealing with and what you can say to them. And, uh, you know, you could be stepping on eggshells if you're saying the wrong thing to a person that you would respond. You know, you can't respond to different people the same, all the same way. Right. It, it's it's interesting. And, and, you know, people think real estate agent, okay, it's you take some pictures, put up a sign, have people come in, and that's it. And there's just so much more. At each step of the way, there could be chances to do negotiation, to make it smooth. You know, everybody gets nervous and there you know something comes up nobody thought of and you know try and keep people calm is sometimes it's just keeping everybody calm let's deep breath everything let's figure it out you know so it's not just put up a sign you know put up some pictures and and then you you get a check you know people the buyers write the sellers a check there's so many little points between yeah that's that's typically they they call that the three P's, which is putting up your sign, putting it on MLS, and then putting your hands together and praying that somebody's mm-hmm. going to come and buy it. That's not the kind of real estate agent that you should be looking for. You know, you need somebody that goes the extra mile and is proactive and is actually calling customer people in the neighborhood. We just listed this property. Do you know anybody looking to to buy? Somebody that's going to go that extra mile for you. You know, part of the the most important question that a seller should be asking a real estate agent is, what is your marketing plan for me? That's the most important thing. How are you going to market my property? You know, not what did you sell, which is also important, but it's not as important as the marketing strategy that's going to be used. The points on, on marketing isn't somebody that agrees with everything that the seller is asking for. They need to have an agent that's strong enough to, to strategically price that property so that they're competitive in the current market and following the price trends and what's what's changing so you know where your competition is. I mean, if I were to go over the marketing plan important factors, it would be your pricing, um, it would be your staging. It has to be staged to cast a positive light. Uh, and the features that are most important to buyers, including uncluttered rooms and closets and having great curb appeal, because you can't make a first impression second time. You only have one chance to do that. And if you blow it, it's you know people aren't going to come back. 
Um, you need somebody that's going to make sure they take professional pictures with an actual virtual tour of the property. Um, they should have an interactive floor plan on on each property. It has to go on multiple websites that will attract local and foreign buyers. They should have a really nice professional brochure so that when Somebody comes to look at the house. They go home with a with a brochure with all the highlights of the property. Most important is you have to optimize the home's internet presence by posting it on on a lot of the brokerage websites, national portals, and you know, and, and also have classified services like NewYorkTimes.com and the Chinese World Journal. So these are a couple of the things that you have to make sure a broker is going to do for you when you decide to list your house with them, and you should be asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with uh, Google Partners and keeping up with some of the latest things to do for search. And not only doing all that, like you said, but also writing for search. You're writing for Google search. So you're not saying E-I-K and L-I-R-R. You're actually spelling out the Eden Kitchen Long Island Railroad, because it's not only for your target market, if you're in Omaha, you have no idea what L-I-R-R is. So Mm -hmm. you have to have a broader view on things for search, as well as people that aren't aware of some of the the things, even even the property um, name, you know, not abbreviating, having the title and things. So there's that component, again, of the marketing plan that you need someone who's working, either educating themselves or working with a group to do all that. Okay, well, I, I think we've covered a lot of things. We are going to have it up on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and and we appreciate you taking your time, and we will speak with you again. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay. Thanks so Thank much, you. Andy. You're, so, you're welcome. Nice talking Bye. to you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.